Shalom. Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom to you, everyone. God bless you. This is Brother Gideon Levitam. And here we are, studying together the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus in Hebrew Vaikra. And we are really dealing with the seven feasts that uh, the Lord gave to our people of all the people of Israel called Moadei Adonai, the feasts of the Lord. Uh, we have covered so much ground, we are getting towards the end of the study of Leviticus chapter 23, and today I would like to share with you uh, uh, concerning the feast, or as it's better uh, known as the Day of Atonement. In Hebrew we call it Yom Kippur or Yom HaKippurim, and it is found in Leviticus chapter 23, and the verses is verses 26 to 32. Let me read these verses for us all, so we'll have these verses from the Word of God before us. Verse 26 says this, And the Lord spake unto Moshe, saying, Also, on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement, Yom HaKippurim. It shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. Verse 30, And whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work in that same day, the same soul will, be, will I destroy from among his people. Ye shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Verse 32 says, It shall be unto you a Shabbat of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month, at even from even to even ye shall celebrate your Shabbats. And I'm stopping here, verses 26 to 32 of Leviticus chapter 23. Again, beloved friend, it is so beautiful to see that uh, when Israel, our people of old, came out of the land of Egypt, on, on the way to the promised land of Canaan, God gave to the people of Israel seven feasts. These feasts were part of the Torah, Torah Moshe, the law of Moses. And Israel was to keep these Moadim, these appointed seasons, 
seven appointed seasons that Israel is to keep every year on its appointed days. You remember that we have already covered in our previous meetings together the fact that there were spring feasts and there were fall feasts. Four in the spring, three in the fall. And we have spoken about Pesach, Passover, Matzot, unleavened bread, then Katsir, the feast of first fruits, and then Shavuot, Pentecost, or the feast of weeks, which happened 50 days later. Then there was a break of about three months or three and a half months. And then all the way to the fall, and in a previous uh, meeting together, session together, we spoke about the Feast of Trumpets. We call it Zikaron Etuah, where the children of Israel were to blow the shofar while there was no reason given in this uh, 23rd chapter for it, but it was a memorial, we have learned from many other passages, that will remind Israel the need to to be restored back to the land and for the Lord to be restoring his people Israel back to himself. I mentioned, and it's very clear throughout the word of God, that since the time 3,500 years ago when Israel came out of the land of Egypt up till today, we live far 35, nearly 3,500 years since Israel came out of Egypt, and we can see that four of these feasts of these Moadim have been fulfilled. Passover, the Messiah Yeshua died. Unleavened bread, the Messiah Yeshua was without leaven, sinless one. First fruits, the Messiah Yeshua rose on the first day of the week. Shavuot, Pentecost, uh, uh, weeks, the assembly was born. The church, the ecclesia was born. Jew and Gentile united together in the body of Mashiach and now for nearly or some 2,000 years passed by since the resurrection of the Messiah, Yeshua Jesus, the church, the assembly, the ecclesia, the kehilah is now, uh, uh, have been built and Jewish and Gentile believers in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who confess their sins, they have entered into this body called the body of Christ, the body of Mashiach. The church, the assembly, is a heavenly company. Israel, the nation, is an earthly company. And upon the basis of the shed blood of the Messiah, the new covenant, the Brit HaChadashah, was established once Yeshua the Messiah died. And then was buried and raised, and the assembly, the heavenly company, was born, the church, the ecclesia, while Israel as a nation is awaiting the day of restoration. Well, some 2,000 years passed by, and we live today in a time where we can clearly see that the Feast of Trumpets have literally began to to be fulfilled. Jewish people, including our family, have returned to the land from the dispersions. 2,000 years passed by. And now Israel have a state. The national anthem of the people of Israel called Hatikva, the hope. And if you will read the words of these of this beautiful song, 
It is sung in such a way that for 2,000 years the Jewish people were without the land scattered around the world. And the Feast of Trumpets, the, the Feast of Tuah, Yom Tuah, Zikaron Tuah, you can see that it's already in its full force and restoration of the Jewish people back to the land have happened long before 1948. Yet in 1948, Israel as a nation uh, became a nation recognized uh, as a nation among the nations of the world. But, and that is why we need to learn about the the, uh, Day of Atonement, Yom HaKippurim, is because although our people have a nation, a state, uh, in the promised land of Canaan, the land of Israel, yet Israel is far from being where God intending the people of Israel, his earthly people, uh, to be. And so that's how we arrive now to the Feast of uh, a Day of Atonement, the reason that it's called most likely a Day of Atonement, Yom HaKippurim, because in that particular day, or that particular day does not necessarily um, speak of a feast, of celebration, but it really uh, speaks of that <clears throat> which will lead the people of Israel to repent, to confess before God the fact that they have gone astray and they need to be restored to him, and especially when Israel will realize that the Messiah, Yeshua, is indeed the promised one of Israel. I want to remind you that every one of these feasts, of these seven Moadim, somehow link with the person of the Mashiach, Yeshua. He was the Lamb. He was Passover. He was unleavened bread. He was sinless. He rose from among the dead, the first fruit. His new covenant through his blood have made it possible for the New Testament, new covenant covenant to be established where Jew and the Gentile can be united together in the body of Messiah. He is the one that is the center of all things. This is the promised Messiah of Israel and the Savior of this world. So while the feast or the, 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 the feast of a trumpet is being fulfilled as we speak, in its, in its, it's, a, it's, a, it's a longer period of time, the, the fact that God is awakening the Jewish people to go back to the promised land. And nearly 8 million Jewish people are today in the land of Israel, while some a 7 or 8 million of the rest of the Jewish people are still scattered around the world awaiting still to return. There is a need to return back to the land, to return back to the promised land. But, beloved friend, it's not yet the final uh, fulfillment because Israel need to be not only returning physically to the land, but Israel, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, the Israeli need to return to the Lord spiritually. They need to be born as a nation born from above, born by the Spirit of God, by Ruach HaElohim. A nation shall be born in a day, we read in the prophets of Israel. So listen to this. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 26, 27, and 28, we have some 
important points that the Lord is reminding Israel. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you. Ye shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Verse 28 says, And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement. Just to notice some important things. Number one, you notice that it is on the 10th day of the month of Tishrei. This is the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar. It is a, a day, fixed day. Tenth day of the month of Tishrei. This is in the fall season. And Israel could not change this day. It is a day that God had fixed. And we can see prophetically that God fixed a time, a period of time, in which he is intending to bring Israel to himself and have them a repented nation. Secondly, you notice that it is it has a name. And the name, according to verse 27, it is a day of atonement. Yom Kippurim. The difference between Pesach and Kippurim is simply this. Pesach brought Israel through the blood of the Lamb outside of bondage and slavery to be part of a redeemed nation. The Day of Atonement maintained God's relationship with His people Israel. In both cases, in both feasts, blood had to be shed. And God has to make an atonement. For people, though our redeemed came out of Egypt, according to Exodus chapter 12, but also a nation that still has sin in them, like you and I. Even if you and I are believers in Yeshua the Messiah today, and we already are redeemed, we still have this sin nature. And if God is going to dwell in the midst of his people Israel, atonement must be made. Blood must be shed to maintain a relationship with a living God. And as God was in the midst of our people of old, the people of Israel, if he was going to remain among his people constantly, atonement every year, blood had to be shed, atonement has to be made, confession has to be made by the nation, realizing that we have sinned has to be acknowledged by the nation. Notice thirdly here, in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27, it says here, And ye shall afflict your souls. Afflicting your souls is essential among the people of Israel. Why Israel to afflict their souls? Because Israel was to realize that they are still sinning. That they need to have to be cleansed. And if God is going to be in the midst of the nation, he must be vindicated because God is holy and the nation of Israel who surrounded the tabernacle was sinful, redeemed from Egypt, but sinful. The sin nature has still been there in the heart of each and every one as it is indeed in ours uh, today. So, very important that uh, Israel, the Hebrew word for to inflict their soul is et nafshotechem. 
Israel was to sense it in their own soul that they need the forgiveness of God on an ongoing basis. Well, today, beloved friend, when we keep the day of atonement in the land of Israel and our Jewish community uh, uh, have this Yom Kippur, there is an affliction of the body by avoiding eating food, no water, no bread, no food for about 24, 25 hours. But at the same time, <clears throat> there is always a need in the Beta Knesset, in the synagogue, to come before God and to confess and to hit, as it were, our hearts, to beat our hearts, to say, I have sinned before you. I have committed iniquity. I have committed transgression. Chatati, pashati, the confession before God that we have sinned. But you notice in this passage in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 27, in additional to the affliction of the souls, blood must be shed. You notice it says in verse 27, You shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, and he shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, Yom Kippurim, to make an atonement for you, Lechaper Alechem. And he says, Before the Lord your God. And God was so strong in his requirement that in the next verses he says, Whatsoever and whatsoever soul it be that shall not afflict, be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. Look how severe God have been with his people Israel. The necessity to afflict the soul and to recognize God, I have sinned. God, be merciful to me. Avinu malkenu, avinu malkenu, our Father, our King, have mercy on us, is the cry of our people every year, even today, at the synagogue and in our various, uh, in the various communities. Chatanu, pashanu, we have sinned, we have transgressed your commandment. Oh, our Father, our King, have mercy on us and forgive our sins. But again, sadly, today, there is no tabernacle, there is no temple, there is no altar, there is no priest, there is no sacrifice, and therefore there is no blood, and therefore something is missing. Atonement is always on the basis of the shed blood of an innocent animal. In chapter 17, and verse 11 of the very same book of Leviticus, God said, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Blood must be shed if Israel to be forgiven by the Lord, because no blood no atonement. Something is missing, beloved friend, uh, today. And we really know why. Because already, some 2,000 years ago, Yeshua the Messiah came 
His blood was shed. He established the Brit Hadasha on the basis of his blood. He was the sinless one. He was the harmless one, the holy one, the undefiled one that came in the fullness of the time to accomplish that which the, the Lord had promised to the people of Israel. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, this is very important uh, chapter and very important feast because every year, on the tenth day of the month of Tishrei, Israel is to stop everything. This day would be a Shabbat Shabbaton. The, the people of Israel will fast and will uh, go to confess their sins before God. Years ago, when my grandfather and I were going to the synagogue in Yerushalayim, my grandfather used to get dressed in white and to have uh, uh, shoes without, uh, uh, you may say, the soles have been so soft that will be no noise being made. Uh, uh, he would repent in the synagogue. And I remember as a young boy seeing him, how he was looking and longing for forgiveness from God. There are many things that the Jewish people are not to do during these Day of Atonement. Not to put ointment uh, or any uh, anything to beautify themselves. Not to have physical relationship as a husband and wife. And not to eat any bread and drink any wine. Repenting before God desiring for God to forgive their sins and their, their name will be written in the book of the living, in the book of life. But again, something is missing because there is no blood that being shed on an altar in the temple in the city of Yerushalayim. Some conservative a Jewish people who know that there is a need of a blood, they will take a rooster, a chicken, and they will wave it above their heads, and they will say, Zokaparatcha, this is your atonement. But again, it's a chicken. It was not based upon the word of God, because here you will see the instruction that God gave uh, to Israel concerning the day of atonement. There is a whole chapter in Leviticus chapter 16, the deal, the whole chapter is deal with the Day of Atonement. And I would like just to give a highlight, uh, some verses to pick up from this chapter that will show us how solemn, how serious is that day called the Day of Atonement, Yom HaKippurim. Well, in the first two verses, there was a warning that was given to Aaron, the high priest, not to come in at any time into the Holy of Holies. The Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all time into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, because I am going to appear in a cloud upon the mercy seat. Aaron could not come into the Holy of Holies as he pleased. And at any time, only one day of the year, and that is the 10th day of the month of Tishrei, the seventh month on Yom HaKippurim, on the Day of Atonement. 
In the next verses, verses 3, 4, and 5, God continue. In fact, all the way even to, to the next verses, there is a preparation. Aaron had to prepare himself before he entered into the Holy of Holies. He had to put a white raiment. He had to change his clothes. He had to wash his feet and his hand in a laver. He is going to come into the presence of the Lord. Aaron had to take a bullock for his own family and himself because he was a sinner. If he was going to serve Israel by bringing other blood into the Holy of Holies, he first of all has to take care of his own sin. And that's why you have the preparation that God had given uh, to Aaron to wear this white linen, to wash himself and to bring that bullock, to kill that bullock and to present it before the Lord. In the next verses, verses 6 all the way to verse 10, Aaron was to present these uh, sacrifices, these uh, animals to make an atonement. He had to preserve, present them before the Lord. And so for himself, he took a bullock, according to verse 3. But for Israel, for the congregation of Israel, Aaron was to take two kids of goats, one for a sin offering and one for a burnt offering. And he is to present them uh, before uh, the Lord. Can you imagine on that day, Aaron was going to make atonement for the nation of Israel. So he would kill the bullock, he will take its blood, and he will bring it into the Holy of Holies, and he will sprinkle the blood in between the cherubim there, on the kaporet there, on the mercy seat, and before the ark, before the mercy seat. And then he will have to bring also the blood of one of these goats, which was called the goats for the Lord. That blood on behalf of the nation of Israel had to be brought also into the Holy of Holies. And there he will sprinkle the blood upon this uh, a mercy seat in between the cherubim, and he will make an atonement for the nation of Israel. Now notice, beloved friends, how important it is in the a continuing portion of Leviticus chapter 16. According to verse 21, after he would kill the goat for the Lord, which its blood would be spread there on the, on the, in between the cherubim on the mercy seat, the second goat that he will take, he would lay both of his hands on them, and that live goat uh, will bear the sin of the nation of Israel. Let me read you verse 21 and verse 22. And Aaron shall lay both of his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all the transgress, the, their transgression and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. 
and the goat shall bear upon himself their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. You see, dear friends, the second goat is called the scapegoat in verse 8. The scapegoat is a Hebrew word called Azazel. Azazel became for us to be known into a place that is uninhabited, far away in the wilderness, away from the presence of God. And the beautiful lesson here that we have in these two goats, the first goat which was killed and its blood presented there upon the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim upon the mercy seat. This is the blood of an innocent animal that took upon, you might say, itself the sin of the nation. It's a blood that covered, made kapara, made atonement for the nation of Israel. The second goat is part of the same atonement that second goat had to be removed out from the presence of God. And that's why in Leviticus chapter 16, it says that Aaron will put his hand upon the second goat. And Aaron will confess, notice, all the iniquities of Israel, all the transgressions of Israel, and all the sins of Israel. The three Hebrew words, Avonot, Pshaim, Chataim. Avonotehem, Pishahem, Chataotam. Aaron had to lay upon the second goat, the live goat, the iniquities, the sins, and the transgressions of the nation of Israel, and to send that second goat into the wilderness, and as we call it, as the Leviticus tells us, Le'azazel, to a place that is uninhabited away from the presence of God, to remove as far as the east is from the west, so our transgressions have been removed uh, from us. And in these two goats, beloved friends, we see the beautiful work of the coming Mashiach, that he will die for sin and shed his own blood. But at the same time, this work of redemption will remove the sins of those who will trust in him away from the presence of the Lord. In fact, what we have already read about the Lord Yeshua the Messiah in John chapter 1 and verse 29, Yohanan said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin, not only the sin of Israel, but the sin of all the world. And that's what we learn here in the Day of Atonement, that it is a day when Israel as a nation will have to come to a point in which Israel will repent. And not only individual Jewish Israeli Hebrews will come to know forgiveness, but it will be a national restoration of the people of Israel. 
And you notice, beloved friend, how many times the word blood is mentioned here in this chapter. Leviticus 16, verse 14, he shall take of the blood of the bullock. Verse 14 at the end, he will sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Verse 15 of chapter 16, and it says here, and he will bring the blood within the veil. He continued in verse 15b, and do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bullock. Verse 18, it says here, and he says here, and the blood of the bullock and the blood of the goat will be put upon the horns of the altar. Verse 19 said, and he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from all the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And we can continue on in verse 27, and the bullock for the sin offering, and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall one a carry forth without the camp, and they shall burn it in fire, the skins and so on, and their flesh, and their dung. In other words, blood had to be shed. Hadam hu banefesh yechaper. It is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now that is the day of atonement. If God is going to be in the midst of the nation of Israel, and if Israel is going to receive a forgiveness of sins, it is the very same blood that was once shed by the Messiah Yeshua himself when he came at his first coming that is able to cleanse them once they will nationally will come to recognition that he is indeed the Mashiach, the Messiah. Now Yom HaKippurim, the Day of Atonement, is really pointing us to a national restoration of Israel. You know, praise God that during these days of the assembly, the ecclesia, the kehilah, for the last 2,000 years, many Jewish people came to faith in Yeshua the Messiah. In fact, the church, the assembly, began by Jewish believers, the apostles that came to know Yeshua the Messiah. That's how the church was born and built, the foundation, the Lord Yeshua being the chief cornerstone. But not all Israel. The vast majority of Israel still did not recognize and still do not recognize who Yeshua, who Jesus is. God is awaiting the day in which he will restore Israel nationally. And that's what we learn, beloved brothers and sisters, as we study here, in Leviticus chapter 53. I just want to read a verse or two in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. I want to read some verses there. Isaiah was pointing to the future restoration of Israel. When Isaiah wrote his prophecy, he was looking forward to the future day when Israel will be restored nationally. So Isaiah, by the word of the Lord, wrote, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord has been revealed? This is chapter 53 and verse 1. 
For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form, no comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him as stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace fell upon him and with his stripe we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, Israel will say, one day in a future day, in the day of atonement of the coming day, the Lord laid upon him the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before a shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He is taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. And notice verse 8 at the end. For the transgression of my people, Isaiah said, the people of Israel, was he stricken. Beautiful to see. Verse 10 says, he pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You know, beloved friend, Isaiah 53 is actually the confession of Israel in the Day of Atonement, in a future day, at the end of the tribulation period. Israel as a nation will finally realize that he was as a lamb that was led to the slaughter and that he opened not his mouth and that all our sins and iniquities were laid upon him. That's the Mashiach, the Messiah. That Israel in the future day and it may be very soon in the coming days that God is not only going to bring Israel back to the land physically in the feast of trumpets, but he will nationally provide regeneration and salvation for the nation of Israel, and he will bring it about. Look at a verse or two in the prophet Jeremiah. When Jeremiah, the weeping prophet of Judah have written his uh, message, his prophecy. He was living in a time where the temple was destroyed and burned by the Babylonian. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. On the ninth day of the month of Av, 586 BC. And so he wrote concerning the future day, the promise of restoration that Israel will be restored. Chapter 30 of Jeremiah. The word word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel saying, Write 
thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people. Israel and Judah, says the Lord, I will cause them to return uh, to the land that I gave uh, to their fathers, and they shall possess it. It is a promise to Israel. And these are the words that the Lord speak concerning Israel and concerning Judah. And now notice how God promised that before Israel will be restored, they will have to go through Jacob's trouble, Tsarat Yaakov, what is known as the tribulation. Not only Israel, but all the world, but here is in context with the nation of Israel and its final restoration. For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of shalom. Ask ye now, and see whether a man does travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like that, as of a woman in travail? And all the faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day, Hayomahu is great, so that there is none like it. It is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Here's a promise that God will restore Israel. But when God will restore Israel, Israel will have to come to its wit's end, not able to trust any other nation, not able to trust their military, not able to trust themselves, but they have to turn to God, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the Mashiach, to the Messiah, who will ultimately come to restore the nation to himself. How wonderful the promise, but it has to go through the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of tribulation. I just want to read a few verses from the New Covenant, from the Brit HaChadashah. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 13. I want to just read to you the words of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who said in uh, Luke chapter 13, Yeshua longed that Jerusalem, the people of Israel, will accept him. But Luke Israel as a nation hasn't accepted him when he came at the first coming, as it was predicted by the prophets, who knew that at the first coming of the Messiah, Israel will not accept him, and he will go to the Goyim, to the nations of the world, give them the message of the gospel, and then at the second coming, he will return and establish his people Israel on this earth back to himself. Yeshua said, in Luke chapter 13, verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not? He cried, Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, 
as he looked at the city and wept over the city of Jerusalem. He continued to say, and he says, Your house shall be left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, Ye shall not see me until that time come when ye shall say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. You see, what we really learn here, beloved friends, that there is a time. That's why the Lord used the word until. There is a time that is coming that God is going to restore his people Israel back to himself. But Israel as a nation has to afflict their souls, to repent of their sins, and to turn back to the Lord their God in confession and repentance. This is exactly what the prophet Zechariah said. And I'm going to read another verse or two from the Tanakh in the book of Zechariah, just at the end of the, uh, before uh, the time of the 400 years of silence, where God did not speak to the nation directly after he spoke to Zechariah and then Malachi, Malachi. Look what he promised through Zechariah. In chapter 12 and verse 10, he promised to the nation of Israel that he says, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they shall look upon me, God is saying. They shall look upon me, God is saying, whom they have pierced. Well, who is the one that was pierced? This is the God of Israel who entered humanity through the virgin Miriam and as man he had to die. He had to become a substitute like the bullock, like the ram, like the lamb. Blood must be shed, but the blood of an animal is only made atonement, kapara, kippurim, but never removes sins. It's only when the Mashiach came at his first coming that sin was not only atoned for, but removed. And so notice what we read. It says here, They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn. Here is the affliction of the soul. They shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son, and they shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And look at the national. As I mentioned earlier, the Day of Atonement, Yom HaKippurim, is a national regeneration of all Israel. It's the national salvation of all Israel. Not only individual Jewish people, Israelis who will come to faith, but a whole nation will come to know the God of our fathers. And a nation will be born in a day. And there will be a joy in heaven over restore Israel, but Israel has to go through Jacob's trouble, through the time of affliction of the soul, before they enter into the blessing that God intend for Israel. Notice, Zechariah 12.11, In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem, as the mourning of Hadad Rimon in the valley of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn. Every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, 
and the wives apart, the family of the house of Natan apart, and the wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, and the wives apart, the family of Shimei apart, and the wives apart, all the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. And chapter 13, verse 1, continue. In that day, Yom HaKippurim, in that day, the tribulation period, in that day, the day of the Lord, which will culminate with Israel national regeneration, in that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Yerushalayim for sin and for uncleanness. What a wonderful day that will be when Israel will nationally come to know the person of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And Israel as a nation will be born in a day. It is a wonderful promise that we have, but Yom HaKippurim speaks of the tribulation period, Tzarat Yaakov, which will bring about ultimately will be driving our people of Israel to the need to, the, to turn to God for mercy and for help. And surely he will answer their repentance and confession and, and Israel as a nation will be born to become a restored nation. And the world will enjoy the future blessing that are waiting for this sad world that is so far away from the living God and that God will one day will bring this world to recognize that Yeshua Jesus is indeed the one that paid for the price of sin. The apostle Shaul Paul reminded the Romans they were already believers. They were part of the body of Messiah. To them he said, and I want to read those verses, it says in Romans 11, verse 1, I say then, as God cast away his people, God forbid, for I am also an Israeli of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Binyamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. God did not cast away. He hasn't finished with Israel because as the feasts speak to us, the first coming of the Messiah and the second coming of the Messiah. The spring feasts speak about the Messiah at his first coming. Israel did not accept him. And the church, the assembly, the Kehillah, the called out one, was born. Once the church going to end and the rapture of the church will be taking place, God will resume his dealing with his people Israel and will restore the nation of Israel. And Israel will be a blessed nation. And the world will be blessed when Israel is restored. So Paul reminded the believers and he said to them, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? This is Romans 11, 11. This is God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation came unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. If the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, namely Israel, be riches to the Gentiles, how much more their fullness, Paul is saying to the believers today. You know, my dear friend, 
God is going to restore Israel back to himself. We live in a beautiful day called the Ecclesia Day, the heavenly company that are chosen among, from among the Jews and the Gentiles, united into one body. But this era will come to an end and the Lord Jesus will take his heavenly company to be with him and he will come to restore the people of Israel back to himself. And if the fall of them was such riches to the world, how much more when Israel is restored? Look at verse 15. And if the casting of them, of Israel, be a reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them but life from the dead? This is what the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippurim, is speaking about. He's speaking about Israel's national regeneration when Israel finally will recognize that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. And Israel will be a nation that will be a restored nation. But Israel will have to repent and to afflict their souls and come to know that Yeshua is the Messiah. One last verse, and I'm going to close. Behold, the days come, Jeremiah 31, 31, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write it in their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Beloved friend, are you looking forward for this day? I am. Israel will be restored. The Day of Atonement, Yom HaKippurim, will bring about a nation that will afflict their soul and recognize God and recognize the Messiah, Yeshua, and be born in a day. We are looking forward for this day. May the Lord hasten and bring Israel back to himself. I trust that you know him. Yeshua, whom to know is eternal life. God bless you. Shalom, shalom.